This is a Baby Brunch podcast. We've got to move away from a judgment, finger-wagging, disdainful approach to our children's online world. And it's hard for parents because we didn't grow up in this world. This podcast is supported by Epimax Baby and Junior. The range of Epimax Baby and Junior gentle all-purpose emollient moisturizers is an all-day, everyday favorite for babies and children. Give your child a good start to every day by nourishing and protecting their skin with Epimax. Sarah, I thought I've heard it all, but never have we had a conversation around gaming and children. You work in this space, so for people who don't know Sarah Hoffman as well as K-L-I-K-D-S-A, Clicked SA, tell me what you do for a living. So, Lana, lovely to be here. I am a lawyer, social media lawyer, but I always say I'm a lawyer in recovery because I now work solely in the education space. And our company, which I co-founded with a clinical psychologist, is focused all about teaching parents, students, and teachers how to manage this ever-changing, overwhelming digital age that we live in. Because as you rightfully said, you think, you think you've heard it all. You think you understand what Instagram is. And next thing, no one's on Instagram. The kids are all on something called Be Real and you have to come to terms with that. And you think you know what Fortnite is and that's old news. And it changes all the time and it's a dynamic space. So we really recognize such a need both to educate and upskill parents and teachers and also to upskill students with tools managing your self in relation to your online world is actually a critical 21st century life skill. It's no longer something that can be addressed by one guest speaker at your school or one important chat with your parents. We always say it clicked. It's not one chat. It's a hundred chats all the time because it's a dynamic space and it's the world we live in. So really our business focuses on giving parents, students and educators all the tools they need to manage this world. And we do that in the form of programs we run at schools, a whole curriculum, um, workshops for parents, talks at schools and so on. You have to follow them on social media and especially on Instagram. I was very encouraged and shocked at some of the topics on your Instagram feed and I was like, I should have read most of the stuff. There's even the, the top tips of how and what to post after the first day at school. I thought that was quite significant too. So follow the guys on Instagram right now. It's also K-L-I-K-D-S-A uh, on Instagram, Facebook, and then as well as LinkedIn. Uh, the website has .co.za. Sarah, I, I want to start with this. I want to give you a few phrases and I need you to quickly tell me what you think of it. Um, my child loves gaming. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> um, uh, Sims. Sims. Good or bad? Could be both. Um, Minecraft. Mostly good. Um, my child who's seven was recently invited to a WhatsApp group because she has a SIM card in her phone. Phone time is restricted to weekends. And she said, Mommy, I've just been invited to a group of 21-year-olds who's going to have a birthday party. Hell no. Is it true that most parents who learn that gaming phones or devices could be dangerous for their kids feel too overwhelmed to actually do something about it and then just gives in? Very often that is the case. 
Absolutely. I think it's such an overwhelming space for parents. Alana, I deal with this every day and I even feel a degree of overwhelm when I start thinking about it in, de- in relation to my own children because it's such, there's so many extraneous factors to manage and you can, you know, check all the boxes and have the best parental controls, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And you can have a contract with your child and you can have great boundaries, but you can't control everything and you can't control what your kids' friends at school are going to talk about and tell them that they've maybe seen online, what an older sibling or a friend has seen online and tells your kid. So there's so many variables um, that really come into the mix. And I think it really does make parents feel incredibly overwhelmed. And I think the other thing that really makes parents feel overwhelmed, I know this was meant to be a short answer, so sorry. I love the long answer. (laughs) Brevity's never been my strong suit. So um, I think what makes parents feel really, really overwhelmed is often parents kind of across the board recognize that it's 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 wise to delay um, that it's not something your young kids should be using but so often parents give in because of the pressure because the child says mommy I'm the last one in the class not to have a phone and mommy I'm the last one in the class not to play Fortnite, and mommy I'm the only kid in my class who isn't on the whatsapp group and that social exclusion is is genuine I mean it's a real it's a real feeling and it's a real emotion that needs to be recognized by parents. And so often that's the reason parents give in, because of that pressure. I know that today is a gaming conversation. We've had many on devices. And like you say, there's a lot of information that's available to parents if it is devices that you want to better understand uh, with your children. But, but where do we start with any of the devices conversation? Is it a values thing where you go, I'm practicing healthy values and habits around my device and so my child will learn the same? Or is it a practical thing of, and if you go on to that game again, I will take your phone away and burn it? Like, where does one start with, with the yeses and the noes? So I think the very foundation of where we start with all of these conversations are on, and this is really the premise of all the content we put across in the curriculum we teach to kids when we go and talk at schools, when we talk to parents, is we've got to move away from a judgment, finger-wagging, disdainful approach to our children's online world. And it's hard for parents because we didn't grow up in this world. We rode our bikes and it sounds cliched and, you know, kids will roll their eyes when when parents say go play outside, but that is our childhood. So we don't have... It's very hard to relate. And most parents, yes, might be on Instagram, but we're not gaming, um, a lot of us. So it's hard for parents to relate. But I think the number one, if there's anything anyone takes out from today, it's you've got to approach all of these conversations, whether it's gaming, whether it's social media, with genuine curiosity, with a degree of empathy and with with a it's it's me. We're sitting on the same side of the table here. Not, you know, finger wagging and if you do this, you know, if, if you send a private photo, you're, you're going to go to jail and die and the world's going to end. Because our kids don't listen to that. You know, there's only so long, if fear worked, we'd all wear condoms, everyone would wear seatbelts. And, you know, there's only so far that fear-based messaging can take you as a parent. I really think the game changer is to approach anything in the space with curiosity empathy, compassion, and an understanding that this actually is our children's world. As much as we might not feel comfortable, as much as we might not like it, this is the reality that our children live in. How much of the online content and gaming is really shaping our child's world? I mean, 
is there is there is there a balance? Do you go, okay, well, we're going to read uh, holy books. I do this thing with my kids because I, I also just don't know. Weekends, if they want to if they want to go on their phone, the rule is you have to do prayers first before you go onto your phone. They legit, so they stand in the corner. <laughs> And I have pictures of these kids holding hands and reciting songs and verses. And then after that, they go onto their phones because now they've said prayers and they're allowed to go on their phone. Because I, I don't know. Is there some kind of balance? Like, do you say you, your child needs to be able to read this, these amount of books and this amount of TV time and gaming time is allocated? Like, has someone done any form of study that makes us feel better about our parenting style? Yes. So, so that's a great question, and I think it's a version of the question that you've probably spoken about in your previous podcast of how much screen time actually is okay. Um, am I going to stunt my child developmentally? Are they going to be robots? Are they not going to be able to recognize emotional, you know, facial, genuine faces that are emotional responses on people? So when – the first people, the first really clever people who looked into the space um, and started to look at how much screen time is enough, how much is too much, was the American Academy of Pediatrics. And they initially came out and they said, it was very rigid, they said, right, one, between naught and 18 months, absolutely no screen time at all. And between 18 months to, uh, to just FaceTime with granny kind of thing. And then from two to five, only one hour a day, but it must be educational. And they've actually since then turned that research upside down because they recognize how much screens are part of our everyday life and how really these little tiny tyrants in our pockets are controlling everything we do from our grocery shops to our children's homework groups to you name it, we operating. So, so what they now say, and the question that we need to ask ourselves as parents, is what we really need to look at is what is the screen displacing? In other words, what is the screen taking out of your child's day that should be there that they really need developmentally? So, is your child doing his or her homework? Are they having outside time? Are they having social human face-to-face -face interaction? All these things that your children require developmentally, if those are in place... Sure, make some time for the screen. You know, it's, a, it's the same analogy. An, an analogy we love at Clicked is, it's, it's, think of it as a plate of food, right? You're not going to give your kid only sour worms for dinner, <laughs> right? But if you eat your vegetables and you eat your carbohydrates and you have a nice portion of protein, have some dessert. It's okay. But we need to look at what is it displacing. And obviously, you know, we'll get into it. What Are, are there any risks and adverse consequences. We're still not saying when you have your sour worms, you know, go to town, but what is it actually displacing? And, and the other interesting thing, we were talking earlier about mom guilt. I think another measure that us as parents can look at is the screens have also got to work for the whole family, not just the kids. And we've, we've got to understand that sometimes... We are all human. We need to neutralize our children. Mm -hmm. We need to send a work email or finish cooking dinner or just not answer questions all day long. And sometimes the screen is its okay to use a screen for that purpose, mm -hmm. provided all those other ingredients are there. Right. I'm actually giggling out of, um, what am I feeling? Relief, fear. Um, also, I think we're okay. You know, I love your approach from not coming from the other side, you know, where we are always going, but 20 minutes, you know, 
you're coming from a different angle, which is so refreshing. And I have to commend you on this because as a mom, which you are, and um, someone who cares about, let's just call it addiction, and the frustration about this topic that most of us still are trying to understand, you are bringing some reassurance to, to the table. How, how do I keep my device safe? How do I, give me practically examples of how to keep my device safe. If I give my six-year-old some screen time and I'm telling her that you can only watch um, the Netflix shows, which is on an age restriction, and YouTube Kids, which I totally despise and don't like. <laughs> There's some quality DIY slime videos, Lana. <laughs> Listen, mommy, did you see on Five Minutes Craft? And I'm like, what? You know, because they're making masks out of Evo, you know, yeah, so, time to be alive. oh God, I just, I want to cry. I actually, I can feel how my eyes are welling up. How do, how do I keep it safe? How do, what's the safest way to do it? Give me a practical example of when I hand over this Satan, <laughs> this, piece of, this device, how do I know that, um, we say this lightly friends, but I am concerned. Okay. I, I'm really worried about our kids at a device, so that's why Sarah's here. But when I hand it over to them, how do I know that this device can be safe? So let's premise this answer. We're talking about smaller kids, right? Yes. Because we'll yeah. talk, I'm sure, about older kids, and they are smarter than all of us. They're going to outsmart every control yeah. and limit. There's, there's YouTube videos <laughs> on how to override every parental control that that teens all over the world have very kindly made available for their counterparts. But so with small kids, I mean, what I do, and it's it's simple, but a, a big help is to disable autoplay. So if it's a video they're watching, I'm, you know, just turning off that autoplay, if that's the automatic feed where if you're on YouTube Kids or if you're on Netflix, that it dishes up something equally delicious the minute your video has finished. How do I disable So it's in the settings. And we, I can put, I'm sure we can give you information for the show notes. I've got a, a really useful YouTube guide for parents to how to do all these settings, uh, both on YouTube proper and YouTube kids. So, so that's a really easy one to do. Um, you can turn that off. So, you know, it, it just stops that immediate dishing up of the minute one's finished, something else is coming up. Um, speaking of YouTube, there are other things that we can do. You could make just a playlist. So, you know, it's it's that your child is only going to watch the videos that you put on that playlist as opposed to, you know, a wide open menu of videos. And it's actually a nice exercise, a, a connection building exercise to do with your child. Tell me about what, which um, channels you like to follow. Let's put them in your playlist. Why do you like them? Um, that connection is so important about in the space, staying connected, staying curious, again, moving away from the judgment. Um, so, so those are two practical things I we can put in place. With them. That, that works for me. It's really got to be us, not mm. me against you. And that's how we've got to approach it from the beginning. And I think we've got to have these conversations way in advance of before we hand over our child their own device, you know, so that we're having these conversations all the time, every day. What are the rules around on, on, on WhatsApp for children? I mean, having my child being invited to this group, it makes me want to remove the SIM. But she is she's WhatsApping Oma and I'm traveling to Cape Town tonight. So that's her way of having access to me, you know. Um, I mean, the only things that we talk about is literally mommy, I miss you. And, I, and she goes, daddy, just shout it because, <laughs> you know, and that's our communication. But 
Are there, are there any things that one can do or help prevent them from being a security risk? So I don't love the idea of little kids on WhatsApp groups because of the ability. I mean, there, there are safety settings you can put in place, but, you know, there there is when it's a group and there there's an option of other people being in the group, um, it does open up them to, you know, a number of risks, which I'd prefer um, them not to be exposed to. Also, this constant stream of content and kids not being able to regulate themselves. Um, I mean, if it's a one-to-one form of communication, say your daughter and, and yourself, I think Messenger, a Messenger, whether it's an iPhone Messenger or even sometimes Facebook Messenger, which we can talk about. I know our kids are generally not on Facebook, are actually safer options for younger kids. Wow. Do we put games on the phone? So... Before we do that, um, we've got to, because usually, let's be honest, the games on the phone is not something that a parent says, let's get games. I'm desperate for you to game. Can't we download games? It's always coming from the kid, right? They're going to start nagging you and their mates in class. and so, so I think the importance, and, and this goes for any social media app, right? Before we allow our children onto any app or game, we need to understand why they want to do that. What is it that, and again, go in light, go in curious. What is it that, that's interesting to you? What do you know about it? Can you tell me what you know about it? What do you think the good things are? What do you think the bad things are? Tell me about your friends who play this game. Um, let's play it together and see see what it's like. And I, I know some of this sounds exhausting for parents, but I think it's, it's we simply can't just download these these games and platforms and expect our kids who don't have a frontal lobe to be able to figure out all the things that could possibly go wrong. The piece that us as parents need to do is do a little bit of research ourselves on, you know, what are the good things? Is it safe? Is it bad? A thing to think about um, is certainly if someone's starting off in the gaming world, I think the games that I would favor are those that allow your child to be creative, mm-hmm. that have a creative mode, you know, whether it's Minecraft and they're building. Um, a lot of games have a creator mode as opposed to just a passive watching, partic- you know, mode. Um, so, so those obviously have more added benefits when you're starting off. But I think we really need to understand the why our children um, want to be on it and then ascertain, you know, and, and, and of course, goes without saying to put some boundaries in place. And we have to agree on certain things before our children can even play um, a budget for data if you're operating on data, when the device will be used, when it won't be used. Preference definitely to play in a public space, um, whether or not your child will play with headphones. Something to think about because, you know, a lot of these games, unfortunately, have so much horrific swearing and language. I have parents telling me you can't believe what they walk past hearing when their children are 10-year-old boys are playing and on Discord. So these are the kinds of um, discussions we need to have before we just simply download an app or hand over a device. Is, is gaming addiction a problem amongst children? I, my kids have access to games over the weekend and they play it on the TV and on their uh, gaming devices. Um, and when my seven-year-old is busy gaming, I, can, I might as well leave the house because she can't hear me. I will, I will call her and talk to her and I have to literally touch her arm in order to disengage her from this thing, you know. So 
Is, does that mean my kid is addicted to, to games or is she just engaged? It means your kid's a normal kid <laughs> up against a force much smarter and cleverer than her. And Thanks. I'll tell you a story about my four-year-old. Yeah. I mean, a, a few weeks ago, my husband was away and I really think that weekend I was mom of the year. I couldn't have done more. I took them to the nursery. I took them to some animal sanctuary. Uh, we planted things. We did arts and crafts. You name it, every Pinterest mom post. I checked that box. And five minutes of that weekend happened to be that he, he was allowed to play some silly game where you scratch a cat's stomach on my phone and it makes purring sounds. So I said to him when I put him to bed, what was your favorite part of the weekend expecting great things? And, you know, I mean, after that whole buffet of mom rocking it out, his favorite part was the five minutes he got to play on my phone. So the point I'm trying to make is nothing is ever going to be as exciting as a game to our kids, as a video game, because they are designed to do that. No kid is willingly going to say, oh, mommy, I think I've had enough now. I'm going to go and, you know, do some arts and crafts and maybe just do some yoga poses outside and meditate. They're not going to do that yeah. because they are designed by attention engineers who get paid to make things as hooking as possible to our kids. <laughs> so I think we have to take the pressure off us as parents and understand that we're up against, we're not going to win. They're never going to be thrilled to come off. But we can do things that make the coming off easier and less of a power struggle. So how do we know that if they're addicted? Do we, do we, is there, I don't know, yeah, how do we know whether they, so when there's tantrums, when, when, when it gets stopped, is that, is that no. a sign? So I think tantrums are, certainly with younger mm -hmm. kids, inevitable. Right. Because, um, as I said, you know, these, these platforms and apps and games are designed to lure our kids in and they will always be more enticing to the outside world. Um, we need to remember that the developing, the kids, our teen and tween's brain is in a period of rapid development. It's only going to stop being developed at the age of 25 and they don't have that impulse control, which is the prefrontal cortex. They don't have that ability to think maybe this isn't a good idea or to regulate. Um, so, and it's, it's really wide for risk in those years, specifically the teen years. But so, so the power struggle and the tantrums and the meltdowns about coming off the screen, we have to just accept, unfortunately. It's like the really not fun part of being a parent in the digital age. Um, it's kind of part of the package, but we can do things to mitigate. To answer your question, that was a bit of a roundabout, but to answer your question of how do we know when, I wouldn't say your child's addicted, I would say, I would reframe your question and say, how do we know when it's problematic, the, the amount of addiction? Because I think mm -hmm. to a degree our children are all addicted to devices and so are we as adults actually. Mm -hmm. So when is it problematic? I think when it really starts to impact the rest of their life, when their grades are suffering, when the mood swings are unmanageable, mm -hmm. when um, they're sullen, they're moody, they're angry, they're aggressive, um, they're they declining social arrangements, when the rest of those core components of their life that we spoke about that they need to develop are starting to suffer, that's when it becomes problematic. Mm. Kids want to play, some want to socialize, others want uh, building blocks, literally. They enjoy uh, spending time doing craft. If, if we had to introduce them to gaming due to, I don't know, their choice or an ask or <laughs> the pressure of, do, do you have a recommended list for young children? 
I mean, we all get these lists from the school. This is the reading app, you know, that you can look at uh, over the holidays. Uh, this is the, um, the app to communicate with parents. I mean, I'm on nine of these things. I am tired. <laughs> but is there, is there a recommended list of these are the games that are healthy and these are the ones that aren't? How do we, how do we stay trendy and cool as parents and not ruin our children? So we actually, funny you should mention that we are actually at Clicked working on this exact list at the moment. So please do follow us online and um, stay tuned for that. I think we don't need to worry about staying trendy as parents because <laughs> your children will make sure that, you know, you'll hear it from your kids. But it, it is, you really do get street cred if you can come to your kid and say, hey, have you heard of chat GPT, which is this AI language that is now writing children's exams for them, for example, um, maybe slightly older kids or, you know, so, so, so it's great to have these conversations mm -hmm. in terms of recommended games and apps. We can definitely give you that. But I would say there's certain games and apps that are not categorical, no, but that it's a proceed with caution. So if you are going to let your child play Roblox, look at the parental controls, have the conversations, put boundaries in place. It's, it's, it's really, again, it comes back to in being connected to your child throughout this process, not simply handing it over and expecting them to manage and do well and not mess up. Um, so incidentally, we do have some really um, useful guides on our website, clicked with a K, dot .ca, dot .za, um, on a, some of them are games. So we've got one on Roblox and we've got one on TikTok with everything parents really need to know about mm. how to manage this beast going forward. Speaking of which, I mean, with my older kids, so I'm a stepmom and um, I've got an 18 and a 16-year-old. The conversation looked different around TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and we never had parental control. It, it, it was either the given to you or not. You know, you either, you either used it responsibly at the time or um, it wasn't given to them at all. And I'd love to hear your opinion with, with older children and, and gaming and screen time. How does one stay... Um, Look, we, we weren't created to be popular as parents. Mm. You know, I, I want to keep you on a beautiful journey and I like spending time with you, you know. So how do we have that kind of authority with keeping them within healthy boundaries of not overstepping and getting into trouble? Such a great question. So I think we have to remember and I, I know parents kind of feel weak at the knees by teens, especially when it comes to teens and devices. But at the end of the day, we cannot be held hostage in our own home. We can't. And you might not always be the most popular parent, but we are. We have to put boundaries in place because the default is without boundaries and rules, our kids will be online all the time and they will be online at the expense of other things because they're designed to do that. So we're up against algorithms and your teens are up against algorithms that are far smarter than them mm. and that are going to dish up dangerous content and that are going to keep them coming back doom scrolling for more and more and more and make them feel lousy when they're comparing themselves to people whose lives appear to be a whole lot better but actually just use better filters. So we need 
to as parents specifically because our kids don't have that prefrontal cortex. They don't have that impulse control. We have to absolutely play a role. And that does come in the form of boundaries. Um, but one thing I, I would say is I think we can reward. We like to suggest that parents reward screen time, for want of a better word, with going above and beyond mm -hmm. in the house. So not just making your bed and... Feed, you know, feeding the Playing pet. We always say, yeah, we always say reward connection with connection. So if you, because we really, at the end of the day, Ilana, the greatest offset against any online challenge is going to be your connection with your child, your relationship. That is going to outlast any parental control. I'm not saying don't do that, but that is going to be the thing that sees you through these very, very murky waters that are coming your way. It's how you react when they mess up online, how you react when they ask you for a new game, even if you don't have the answers in that moment. So um, when I was saying we reward connection with connection, we always say it clicked. You know, it must be we suggest that rewarding extra screen time or extra data or an extra budget for in-app purchases or whatever it is. I saw you sat at the table beautifully on Friday night and connected really with all of us. Or I saw you, you, you know, you really took the time with your brother. That's amazing. Thank you for that. Here's some extra data. That's the kind of thing we want to reward. We reiterating that message that that connection is really at the core of it all. Human connection. Human connection, yeah. It is, do you know what's unusual for me, but beautifully unusual, is that for the first time, uh, digital anything, devices, can become the tool to reward when it is um, positive and good. So normally we are being told, stay away, stay away, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. But now we are learning that it can be good and it can be a reward if we stay connected to our children. So I must say, it is very refreshing to hear a different approach um, with, with how you are educating me and teaching so many of us about devices. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to point that out. I'm gobsmacked. Actually. Thank you. I think, I think the message is, is that we have to stop painting the device as the villain mm. because it's not going to land. Oh, They're not going to. I mean, we all can't bear it. And believe you me, even me, I, I've wanted to take devices and smash them particularly that belonging to my favorite husband but <laughs> but we have to stop painting them as the villain and come in again I'm, I'm going to reiterate it because if there is one takeout we have to come in with curiosity with compassion with understanding and take it from there and it, it's, it is going to be hard because you're up against really powerful forces but but that is going to be your 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 saving grace as parents in this space. In a position where you have had to save relationships and probably lives as someone who works in the space of social media devices, gaming, what, what is the five takeouts for you out of all the work that you've done in this space that could help parents right now? Okay, so I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I would say one, check in all the time. Be curious about your child's online world. And when we do that, sorry, this is going to be number two. <laughs> I'm jumping to number two. So be curious. 
about your child's online world, not judgmental, not condescending. Number two, when we talk to your child about their social media world, specifically about specifically when your kids get a little bit older, we always say start from the wide and go to the narrow. Because if you come in with your finger and say, do you know anyone that sent a naked photo? Or do you know anyone that sent a racist picture? Or have you ever done? They're not going to answer. But if we start wide and we say, so, you know, I was listening to this really interesting podcast and they were speaking about video games. Um, do you a lot of your friends video game? Um, how do you feel? Do you know anyone in your grade that's video gaming? Or if it's more, you know, older kids, have you heard of anyone that's sent a private photo? Is anyone in your in your year center a private photo anyone in your class bring it narrow any of your friends maybe how, why, why do you think they did that we're not attacking we're being curious so start when any conversation about your child's online world um start from the wide go into the narrow i would say absolutely no phones in the bedroom when your child does have a phone no phones in the bedroom at night at all um the research just confirms time and time again the highest viewership of pornography is at night the most incidents of cyberbullying happen at night so we everybody needs a break so i think and and that's a, a space again as parents we can model that so we've got to the device needs a little bed <laughs> Um, you can make a bed, you can make a check-in station. Outside in the rain. Outside, <laughs> but no devices. Um, in the bedroom. Yeah. Oh, my word. It's funny you say that. I had to tell my child she's addicted to reading. I had to tell her that we can't read this book tonight. I, I, I took the book out of the room eventually because it was lying on the counter and I knew she would pick it up when I turned my back. So I was like, no, can't have this book. That's so interesting. Okay, I digress. What's the others? So I'd say that the the next thing I would say is when you are thinking of getting your child a smartphone, um, the question, it's not, you know, if I had a dollar for every time a parent asked me, what's the right age to get my child a smartphone? I, I would be really rich. But I think it's really, it's not an age thing. It's, is my child ready? Are they responsible? Can they make their bed in the morning? Are they responsible? Do they lose their things at school? Are they able to have a discussion about the risks? So it's really what we really need to look at is your child in your it's child it's so child specific. Every child is different, and we really need to look at the device in relation to your child and how you think. You know, if you have a child who's got ADD, you might really want to consider delaying on gaming for example because that is that is really going to you know land very differently to a child that doesn't have ADD and so we really need to think there's no unfortunately no I wish there was a manual that said do this at this age and do but it's so child specific so we really do need to consider the child um, in each scenario before we decide whether or not to let them loose in the world of social media What's the biggest red flag for you? I think the biggest red flag, I think the thing that really keeps me up at night is, is online predators because they are so smart at what they do. And, you know, they could be everywhere. And kids in that moment, because they don't have that impulse control, when somebody says, oh, I see you like Man United or I see you, I really love your drawing, 
It just sounds exactly like the kind of person they'd really want to be speaking to and makes them feel really great in that moment. So without teaching our kids these skills, um, you know, they have no way ability to discern whether or not that's actually someone that's kind of cool to be chatting to and makes me feel awesome when I'm mid-game or mid-post or whatever they're doing or someone we really should be cautious about. So, and, and you know, there's such a, a strategic way of operating for these online predators and they really can pop up anywhere from the comments in a YouTube video to, you know, more obvious places like Discord and gaming and so on. So I'd say that my last of the five tips to parents is we really need, these are not skills that our children are born with. These are skills that have to be taught and have to be spoken about all the time. And, you know, knowing how to discern who might not be who they say they're online and knowing, learning how to recognize, you know, actually this isn't making me feel good anymore when I constantly compare myself to other people's photos or, um, recognizing when someone's bullying and we need to stand up. These are all, our kids don't have these skills inherently. So yes, delay as much as you possibly can as parents. But when we are, when you do give that device over, we've got to upskill our children with those tools. And we're really excited to see so many schools actually buying our program to do this in the classroom, as well as giving parents the tools. Well, if you're a school that's listening to this podcast and watching our videos as part of Baby Branch, you want to get hold of Clicked. So K-L-I-K-D dot uh, dot Z-A. Invite Sarah and her team to your school. Um, as a parent, I clicked on this website earlier and I follow them on Instagram. And oh boy, well, that caught Sarah here. So uh, clicked with a K. <laughs> clicked K L. I-K-D-S-A on Facebook, Instagram, and on LinkedIn. Sarah, uh, my word, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me, Ilana. It's been awesome. This podcast was supported by Epimax Baby and Junior. Epimax Baby and Junior is dermatologist approved, free of artificial colorants and fragrances, and is safe to use from birth. Touch, nourish, love your child's skin with Epimax Baby and Junior. Available from leading pharmacies and retail stores.